on today's special encore presentation of compassion radio i have no qualifications to tell anybody how to be a better caregiver i can speak out of my own experiences and say here's what i've learned that has helped me when this hits caregivers don't live with anything on a heart level that is not common to all of humankind the basic things that we deal with as caregivers is fear obligation guilt resentment despair heartache anger all those kinds of things, but those are all common to everyone. We deal with those things that are often relentless, overpowering, and we feel like we're just losing our footing. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. So says Peter in his first epistle, chapter 5, verse 7. Seems simple, doesn't it? Hi, Bram Floria here with Compassion Radio, the daily journal of what God's people are up to, where they're doing it, and how God is making it all make sense in the big picture. If there's any particular group of people quietly going about the Lord's work in unassuming ways in the world, it's got to be caregivers. By that, I don't mean people who have a lot of natural sympathy. Feeling warm fuzzies for others is great, but it's not particularly useful for the heavy lifting of agape-style love. You know, the kind of love that Christ himself demonstrated. Whether caring for those suffering from COVID, long-term illness, or mental decline of aging, there are millions right now who take the lead in providing compassionate care for others. Often with little or no training, love simply required it. Our guest knows a thing or two about it because he's seen a thing or two. He and his wife have been through the ringer for decades, and frankly, it's to our benefit, even though that'll sound like a brutal assessment once you hear his story. We'll just start out with this thought. Thank God for those willing to say yes to one of the hardest jobs you could ever love. On today's Compassion Radio, we're welcoming back a friend that we haven't talked to in a while, but man, the ministry needs he's facing have not diminished in the least, especially during the age of COVID. Peter Rosenberger for Standing with Hope. Welcome back to Compassion Radio. Thank you very much. It's great to be back here with you. It has been a long time, hasn't it? Yeah. I'm glad I got some FaceTime with you as I was going across Montana this month and to see that God's still preserving you and your ministry with your wife, Gracie. You have your hands on a whole bunch of things, but the thing that people know you most for, I guess, in the United States now is for your growing radio ministry of your own called what? Hope for the Caregiver. Hope for the Caregiver. Broadcast across this nation on another network, and we're glad that you're doing the work you do. Tell me what it's like to be getting up early on a Saturday morning to listen to people call you seeking solace and looking for encouragement and hopefully to download a story or two and maybe laugh a bit along the way. Well, I didn't set out to be in radio, but I've discovered that I have really come to cherish it, and, and I do love it, and I don't even mind getting up early my time out here in Montana. I don't get up late anyway. I get up early as a caregiver myself yes, for about 35 years. And so uh, I get up. That's actually my time for myself. And I find that for a lot of caregivers that we get up early and, you know, kind of base the day and get meals planned and things such as that. As I talk to my fellow caregivers, I've structured the show so that it's not me lecturing or saying, here's how to be a better caregiver kind of thing, because I have no qualifications to tell anybody how to be a better caregiver. <laughs> I can speak out of my own experiences and say, here's what I've learned that has helped me when this hits. But I think what brings me to you today, Bram, and you and I have talked about this, that caregivers don't live with anything on a core level, on a heart level, 
that is not common to all of humankind. Let me explain on that. The the basic things that we deal with as caregivers is fear, Mm -hmm. obligation, guilt, resentment, despair, heartache, anger, all those kinds of things. But those are all common to everyone. We deal with those things framed in this caregiving journey that are often relentless. They're often nuclear. They are often overpowering, and we feel like we're just losing our footing. Yeah. And so that's where I've approached this. I've been a caregiver now for 35 years for my wife. Let me just stop on the issue of, of caregiving right there, because obviously the word caregiver is going to be mentioned a number of times in this program, but it does have a specific realm that you were discussing, and that has to do with the long-term care that you have to offer to somebody who needs it physically, emotionally, medically. Your situation is a pretty intense one. So just give us a quick breakdown of how you and Gracie have navigated the past 35 years. Well, and that's a good point because a lot of people think, well, how do I know I'm a caregiver? A caregiver is somebody who puts himself voluntarily between a vulnerable loved one with chronic impairment and even worse disaster. Okay, that's the starting point because a lot of people say, well, I'm a parent. I'm taking care of children. Well, it's a parent that you're a parent, but that's not a caregiver. Those children are expected to grow, mature, and become functional, independent individuals. But that doesn't always happen when you're dealing with a caregiving situation. You've got somebody who has cognitive or physical developmental issues or impairments that are brought on by trauma or disease or things such as that. To my knowledge, I'm the only one that has any kind of national show that deals with alcoholics and addicts Mm. um, because that's a chronic impairment. Even if you're sober, even if you're clean, you're still going to be dealing with the reality of a chemical or alcohol dependency. And your loved ones around you will be dealing with that and learning how to process what happened to you through that process and how you're working through recovery or not working through recovery. Yeah, That's the overarching thing I come into. And with my situation, Gracie had a traumatic car accident 38 years ago, back in 1983. And to date that I can count, she's had 80 plus surgeries, 150 smaller procedures, both of her legs amputated. Over 100 doctors have treated her and now 13 hospitals. You're looking at well over now $11 million. It just keeps growing. It's hard to even count it. It's hard to even keep track of it. These are all ballpark numbers at this point. She lives with intractable pain. She's not known a day without pain since Reagan's first term. And through this journey, at one point when we were dealing with one pain management specialist, they took her into the world of narcotics and pain management stuff. She never abused it, but she was taking over seven figures worth of painkillers, narcotics, opioids. And nobody ever said to me, um, hey, you know, we're putting a lot of behavior-altering chemicals into your wife's body. You might want to get some help for yourself. Not one pharmacist, not one doctor, not one nurse ever said this to me. Yeah. And so I'm saying it to my fellow caregivers. I'm bringing the lifetime of experience I've had to help point a path to safety to say, okay, here's the path to safety. Hmm. And it's yeah. not this thing where I'm like providing answers because I can't. I don't know how to take care of your situation any more than you know how to take care of mine. But what I can do is go back to, okay, what the scriptures say, number one, and how does that apply to us as caregivers, number two. So, for example, I had a lady that called into my show, and she said, well, I guess God put me on this earth to be a caregiver. No. (laughs) The Shorter Catechism, Westminster Confession of Faith says, what's the chief end of man? It's to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's our highest purpose. Now, for a lifetime, for a season, for decades in my case, we may be a caregiver, but we have a greater purpose than just limiting ourselves to that journey. And if we see that, it's a game changer for us. 
People say erroneous things like, well, God never asks you to do more than you can handle. You've heard that one before. Yeah. Well, that's not scriptural. No, it's not. He always asks you to do more than you can handle. He asked a man with a withered hand to stretch out his hand. He asked a blind man to see. He asked a dead man to come out of the grave. Yeah. But he never gives us more than he can handle. Yeah. And there is a difference, theologically speaking and doctrinally speaking. And functionally speaking. Functionally speaking, yes. Your faith, you and I have talked about this before, that faith is obviously a verb. It's not just a description of a thing that happened or an object or a place in the past. Faith is the thing that gets you out of bed and in your slippers and making coffee at 4.30 in the morning, or you're not going to be able to meet the objective you have that morning to do something like get to a doctor on time or get a bath done or get a house clean. You exercise the faith that you will have what God will provide for you, And more than just the grit of getting through the negatives and having to survive or endure, you've been discovering through all this, too, that somehow in the midst of all of that torrent of responsibility and difficulty, that there's real joy in there, that God shows up and he's with you in this. There's a lot of people listening to our program right now, Peter, that are at the same time of day. It's early morning where most people hear this program. They might be caregivers themselves that are up because of that reason. So I do want you to be speaking as if you're part of family here. What is it like then for you to make that decision to say, I can be competent and qualified to do this job because of Christ and because of the love he puts in me and because of my commitment, my covenant with my wife to be there till death parts us and still enjoy it? Talk about that. Well, this is a problem a lot of caregivers struggle with. They feel like they've got to put their life on hold until their loved one gets better or worse. And usually it's worse. They die, and then we'll get on with our life. They've got to put not only their life on hold, they put their joy on hold, they put their business on hold, they put their everything's on hold. Right. While I go throw myself recklessly into this situation, and I say, no, Gracie and I have been doing this now for 35 years. I can't put that much life on hold. It's not going anywhere. If you have a special needs child, for example, if you have a child with autism or a child with Down syndrome, Mm -hmm. you can't put your life on hold. You have to adapt and be flexible. Yeah, but life is worth living. I mean, I don't have to put my humor on hold. I don't have to put my joy on hold. And this is the mistake. It's a trap that a lot of caregivers fall into. And we struggle with this. And I think, no, wait a minute. This whole world is broken. Hmm. Everything about this world is broken. Are we going to extrapolate that we can't live an abundant, victorious, meaningful life of substance in the midst of a broken world? we got to wait till everything's fixed? Hmm. That doesn't make sense in the light of everything that Scripture says and what Christ came here for. In the most recent episode of The Chosen, I've been watching that. I've really enjoyed it. It was episode two of the second season. The character of Jesus said, I've come to talk about another kingdom. It's not of this world. Kingdom is not of this world. In that world... All is being made right. Mm. All is right. But in this world, you're still going to have bones that break and hearts that break. And I'm paraphrasing the dialogue, but that's the gist of it. There are things in this world that are just heartrending. Yeah. We're going to weep. In fact, I'm going to be doing a whole series on the show about mourning, because I think it's important to learn how to mourn healthily. We're going to mourn. We're going to weep. The calling to lament. Yeah. But we don't have to do it with despair. Or with rage. And that's where I'm looking for for my fellow caregivers is to say, okay, can we do this in a healthier manner for ourselves and recognize that this is mourn worthy? Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But I see too many caregivers who are raging out 
or are sinking into despair yeah. or a combination thereof. I'm the same way. I've done it myself. Been there, done that. I'm the wily coyote of caregivers. There's the real risk of self-righteousness in these things and justifying our anger and deciding that, whether we'll say it or not, that God owes us something and we are right in our undignified rage. We won't say it, of course. We don't want to really deal with those feelings and be called out. You know, I found that for me, the best antidote to that is to have a clear picture of my black heart. Mm. Once you get a grasp of just how vile your sin is to God, it really <laughs> torques that whole self-righteousness argument. For those who are dealing with that particular issue, yes, I would say let God crack their head a bit if they're acting super pious about something and being duplicitous about their attitudes. Well, if you notice in Scripture, God saves, Jesus saves all of his outrage mm -hmm. for the pious. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Every bit of it. And he has this tender heart to the brokenhearted. Yes. He is near to the brokenhearted. And when you get into this, well, like somehow God owes me, or I deserve this, or I'm entitled, or I don't need redemption as much as that guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I thank thee, Lord, that I'm not like that guy. There's nothing like hanging on to Christ while in the fetal position to drive that point home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's all you got. Yeah. And, and until you understand that on a way that is life-transforming, that tendency to somehow think more of yourself than you really ought. Yeah. Yes, we get frustrated, and we do get frustrated as caregivers. We get angry, we get resentful, we get all these things. So what grounds us back to reality? And that is understanding the gospel and people who can help share the gospel in that caregiving context so that we can clearly see here's the path back to safety. Peter Rosenberger will be back in a moment to share more about how the calling of the caregiver is both impossible and full of possibilities. If you are a caregiver, I hope that what you're hearing today encourages you in the work that you do. Just before Christmas, I traveled to Vietnam, a country we've long had on our radar for Bible projects. In fact, Norman Sherry Nelson did some pioneering work there 30 years ago, ferrying in batches of Bibles to the small but rapidly growing church in cities and hill tribe villages. I was astounded to discover that the early work had yielded tremendous fruit, opening doors we couldn't have even imagined three decades ago. For the first time in the history of communist Vietnam, Christians were now allowed to openly celebrate their faith and held two nationally permitted crusades in Ho Chi Minh City and Hanoi. I witnessed hundreds of Vietnamese Christian artists and evangelists sharing their faith with tens of thousands of their countrymen, including government officials who had until recently been persecuting the church. The window of opportunity for the gospel is open right now, and Bibles are allowed in. The churches are asking for them earnestly, so please send your best gift today to help us provide the Bibles they are begging for in 2023. Call us today at 1-800-868-2478 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. And please note our new mailing address, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. That's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. Thank you. And now, back to our discussion. There's nothing like hanging on to Christ while in the fetal position to drive that point home. Yeah. You know, because that's all you got. Yeah. And, and until you understand that on a way that is life-transforming, that tendency to somehow think more of yourself than you really ought, 
Yeah. Yes, we get frustrated, and we do get frustrated as caregivers. We get angry. We get resentful. We get all these things. So what grounds us back to reality? And that is understanding the gospel and people who can help share the gospel in that caregiving context so that we can clearly see here's the path back to safety. I want to make clear that we're not making a, a statement that everybody starts in this position attitudinally. There are millions of caregivers out there that they've already learned from grace how to overflow and be a spring of living water. They're tapped out quite a bit, but they do trust and love Jesus with all their hearts, and they're not resentful. And for those people, I say, I just want to sit at your feet and be comforted by you because you've got it. You're in touch with the Spirit of God here, and I miss that so many times. So for those people that are just like anybody would be, worn down from time to time, but they are not resentful and are grateful for the place of ministry that God has given them as a caregiver. How do you offer encouragement and buck them up when they need it? Oh, I think it's the same way. We're all going to go through these cycles of this. It's, it's not a one and done. Yeah. Um, one and done is teaching me how to give an injection. I remember <laughs> the first time I gave injections to Gracie. I missed that day in music school when they showed us how to give injections. And I was quite nervous and a little bit queasy about it and all that kind of stuff. Well, now it's no big deal. I've done plenty of them. I've changed very complex dressing where I've had to gown up and so forth. I've learned how to deal with insurance companies. I've learned how to deal with doctors. But I don't have to have refresher courses on that. But I have to have refresher courses on matters of the heart. Mm. I have gospel amnesia. I've got to hear the gospel repeatedly. (laughs) If I have gospel amnesia, how much more so am I going to have caregiver amnesia? Yeah. If I've got to hear about the redemptive work of Christ on a regular basis, how much more so am I going to have to learn how to still my heart, how to strengthen myself in the Lord as David did at Ziklag? How much more am I going to have to learn how to do these things if I am forgetting about the redemptive work of Christ on any given day? This is the journey for all of us as caregivers, and I've approached this thing from not teaching people how to care give, not from teaching people of the nuances of caregiving. Sometimes we swerve into that if the occasion represents, but it's no big deal. Right. Where I spend 99.9% of the time is asking people how they're feeling in this, in this journey right now. Well, that's the first question I ask any caller in my show. How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. And it's going to vary from sometimes I feel grateful, sometimes I'm just worn out, I'm perplexed, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm resentful, I'm despairing. It's all over the map for us as caregivers. And if you do this long enough, you're going to go through all of that and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. Yeah. And it's and it's okay. That's the human condition. That's the way we all are on any given day. But we're not with caregiving. You don't really get a chance to kind of reset the button very yeah. quickly. So we're forced to deal with it. I think in musical terms like you do, the thing you keep coming back to is your refrain. And the word itself, of course, in standard English refers to the reticence to let something go or to let loose on something, to hold back. In music, it means almost the opposite. It means coming back around to wholeheartedly the heart of the musical piece. In worship, we sing refrains, and we come back to remind ourselves of what the core message of the worship song is. And we gladly sing that refrain. Often refrains are the highest emotional peak of a music piece. So what are the refrains that you keep steering people back towards and in that find the joy and the centeredness? Well, the first one is that healthy caregivers make better caregivers. Mm -hmm. That is the main chorus that we sing regularly with everything I do. 
understanding that it is not only okay, but it is imperative for you to be healthy as a family caregiver. And that means healthy financially, healthy emotionally, healthy spiritually, healthy physically. Uh, a huge issue for a lot of caregivers is excessive weight gain. Mm, yeah, A lot of them do it. And I don't want to shame them. I got there myself. I got so big, I broke my family tree. I mean, my picture <laughs> fell off the wall. It took two dogs to bark at me. So they call it comfort food for a reason. Yeah. And the stress hormones, too, I imagine. People's stress actually makes it maintain that mass. Oh, and you reach for comfort food. Yeah. And I get it. One of the saddest things I see often is somebody who's in a wheelchair being pushed by somebody who is morbidly obese. Mm. And the greatest weight they carry is not the weight that's on their body. It's the weight that's in their heart. Yeah. And so the refrain I come back to is healthy caregivers make better caregivers. I want to drive that point home. I will take a, um, a hymn each week on my show, and I'll do it kind of like, okay, tell me if you know this hymn. And the reason I do that is because some of these hymns are so familiar, but if you think about the text of this hymn, and particularly the chorus, then in the context of caregiving, that maybe you'll remember that. We did He Touched Me the mm. other day, the old Bill Gaither thing. Oh, He Touched Me. Yeah, yeah most people don't know the verse, mm -hmm. but they know the chorus. Right. And so I want them to see, oh, He Touched Me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. Now yeah. I know. He touched me and made me whole. Now that is implying a touching now, not waiting until yes. we're raptured into heaven or our loved one has passed away. Right now. Yeah. Right now. And I want them to sing that. I want them to sing, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, wouldst die for me? Yeah. That refrain of that song, to God be the glory, great things he has done, so loved he the world. And then we get to the, the chorus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. And if we can understand these texts, these refrains, which is a great point that you brought out, of what that means to us, then in those moments when our hearts are sinking, we can remember, it is well. It is well with my soul. We can remember those little snippets of phrase that give us just enough light, enough lamp to be able to see the next step and say, okay. There may be more people that jump into this pool with you and offer advice and do a talk-based program. I think one of the distinctives that you will always have with your particular ministry is that you have a musician's heart and training. So you don't just imply the need for worship, you worship on the program. And by leading people through those beautiful hymns and your keyboard playing, just to reset on the emotional level on all those other senses— that need to be massaged as much as sore shoulders might need to be massaged. You do that in your ministry, and I'm thankful for that. In fact, you have some music you produce over the years, and I'm going to be encouraging our listeners that if you like what you're hearing from Peter's lips, you're going to like hearing more what comes from his ten fingers. And I'll be happy to go buy a few of those CDs and send them to our listeners out there. So just write us at Compassion Radio to let us know that you would like to hear Peter's music for worship, and I'll get one to you.
Peter's Wonderful Worship CD, that includes the song you're hearing right now, is available for your gift of Compassion Radio to keep us on the air today. Just let us know when you call or write us. We'll have more from Peter on coming programs, so make sure to tune in then. The toll-free number is 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. And please note our new mailing address, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. That's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. If you missed anything on today's program, of course, the podcast is always available online. Just check that out, too. I'm Bram Floria. Thanks so much, and we'll see you tomorrow.